my favorite Old Testament books. And we are finally at the place in the book of Joshua where the people of Israel are going to actually fight their first battle in the promised land. It's been a long journey. It's taken almost 40 years. And now finally, the people are at the entrance, and they're actually in the promised land. And God, in chapter 5, gives them like a checklist of things that they need to understand, a checklist of things that they need to do in preparation of going into the promised land. And what happens in chapter 5 lines up with what we experience with God through the gospel. Okay? God has, uh, he's been reaffirming their identity. God has them like circumcised. They didn't circumcise themselves for, for, uh, for 40 years while they were wandering in the wilderness. And then finally they come out of the wilderness and then God says circumcise the men, right, that didn't, were not circumcised during the wandering years. And so these young generation that have not been circumcised, all of a sudden, they're, they're, they, they, God reminds them that they are people of promise. Right? I made this promise with your forefather, your great-great-grandfather, Abraham, right? And this, you are the, the, you are the descendants. You are the, the people that are going to reap this promise, right? And in the same way, God chose us, right? We had nothing to do with, you know, us. God chooses us, right? And, and as God chooses us, he says, he tells us that we are people of promise. We are descendants of Abraham. In Galatians 3.29, says, And if you are Christ, then you are Abraham's offspring, heirs according to promise. God chose us. We are people of promise. And then, and then um, God has them celebrate the Passover, the, the Paschal Lamb. It's a celebration of, of what, Jesus, what God did as they were leaving Egypt, right, in that last final plague, the, 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 the plague of the eldest son, um, you know, God says, like, sacrifice this lamb. It has to be a perfect lamb. It can't be, like, you can't have a broken leg or anything. And then, and then put this lamb, uh, the blood of the lamb, on the doorpost. Right? And, and, then the, and as the angel of the Lord comes through, um, the spirit of God comes through and kills all of the, the, the eldest sons, like the, the, the Hebrews, your sons will be spared. And so this is uh, literally, like, like, not literally, but figuratively, it is the representation of Jesus Christ. Jesus Christ is our Paschal Lamb. He is the perfect lamb that was sacrificed and slain so that we can experience the redemption and the freedom um, through the blood of, of Christ in our lives. And then they eat of the produce of Canaan. Right? They come out of the, the, the wandering and they actually enter, they cross the, 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 the river of Jericho and then they come into this like lush land. And for the, they say for the first year they ate of the produce of the land and the manna stopped. Right? The manna was not God's perfect for, for the people of Israel. Manna you know, imagine eating the same thing for 40 years. Right? It's it's miracle food, but it's like you know, I, I you know I it's 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 still not God's promise for them, right? And so they're actually eating of the promise that God has given them. They t- they get a taste of, of of what He had promised them all along. And in the same way with us, right? We get to taste like our promised land isn't just heaven. Right? A lot of people think, oh, our promised land is you know we get a ticket to heaven. No, our promised land is also here on this earth. We experience. The fullness of what God has for our lives in this. We, we have a life of peace, a life of joy, a life of love, a life of, you know, that, that we have, we're in connection and in tune with the spirit of God. That is the abundant life that Christ died on the cross for us to have. A lot of people, we, we think that, like, you know, our future is all going to be in heaven. No, our, 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 we, we, God gives us an abundant life, and he gives it to us now. If we, if we are living according to his will and according to his word. And so what happened in chapter five is this is this like they're they're getting like a, a like a review like a, you know in, in school you get like the review before the final exam right you know the teacher will say oh this so God's giving them this review God's going back and saying hey this is who you are you've been wandering in the wilderness for forty years.
all of you guys may not know, but this is who you are. This is what you've been destined for, and this is what I'm going to be giving you. And so we had chapter 5, and now finally the people are going into their first battle, and God tells them this, right? God tells them, now Jericho was shut up inside and outside because of the people of Israel. None went out and none came in. The Lord said to Joshua, see, I have given Jericho into your hand, and it's, and it's kings and mighty men of value. Now, there's something really important that we have to catch here. Um, God uses here what the Hebrew language calls the prophetic perfect tense. Right? I don't know any other language that actually has this tense, but it, the prophetic perfect tense is a literary technique used in the Bible. It's part of the Hebrew language that describes future events that are so certain to happen that they are referred to in the past tense as if they already have happened. He tells them that he's given them the city. They haven't even shot one arrow yet. They haven't even like put on their armor. They haven't done anything. And God tells them, see, I have given Jericho into your hands. And, and his mighty men of valor. God speaks of the future as if it's the past. Because to God, it's so certain. This is important because this is how God speaks to us. God speaks to us in this tense all the time. Genesis uh, 15, God tells Abraham, to your descendants, I have given this land. This is before Abraham can even conceive of a son. He can't even have the understanding of a son in his head, right? He's like 90-something, mad old, right? Probably like, I think he's in the 70s, right? When God first promises him, I'm going to give this you in the 70s, right? right? When I'm 70, I'm, 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 I'm like... I'm not going to be like, think, oh, like my wife is like around my same age. I'm not going to have that understanding in my head of me being the, uh, the father of a generation when, I can't, when my wife can't conceive. Right? Even before Abraham can even conceive of having a son, God tells them, right, he, he gives them to your descendants. I have given this land. Now, God speaks to us in this tense. Wait, where's the next one? Okay, sorry. Before we actually are even get, get to where we're supposed to go, God tells us who we are before we get there. God tells us that we are seated with him in the heavenly places. Ephesians 2, 6, we're actually there not yet. I'm actually seated here in Siongu, right? I'm, I'm seated here in Busan, but God tells us in, the present, in, 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 this, in this tense that is a part of the Hebrew language, like, dude, you're, you're, you're already seated with me in the heavenly places. God speaks to us this way. Because the language of the kingdom of God is faith. You guys have to understand that. The language of the kingdom of God is faith. We have to have these things in our hearts and in our mind that they will happen. They are so certain. We are so certain that they are happen, They will happen that we have to see them as having already happened. The victory is in the Lord. Hebrews 11.1. 1, it says, Now... Faith is assurance of things hoped for, the conviction of things not seen. And the Bible tells us that in, in Hebrews 11:6 that without faith, it is impossible to please the Lord. It says, without faith, it is impossible to please Him, or whoever would draw near to God must believe that He exists and that He rewards those who seek Him. This is the foundation of understanding and drawing near to God. We have to realize that. We have to believe and we have to have faith that he exists and that he is already victorious. That he's conquered death for us. 
he has redeemed the saints by his blood and seated us with him in the heavenly places before we actually see any of this. Sometimes it's hard for us to hear God's voice in this way because we're trying to put together weapons. We're trying to put together tactics and, and, and to go into the battle when God is telling us, dude, you've already, you've already won the victory. We get so caught up in the little things in our lives that we need to do. I got to do this. I got to do that. And then, But God's telling us, man, the victory is already yours. I'm speaking to you this way because I am so certain. Like, I, to me, God, you have already won. We get so caught up in the things of our lives. But we forget that this is the language of faith. And this is the language of heaven. Before Israel does anything in a fight, or any kind of battle, God tells them that he has given them the city. God speaks to his people with an expectation of faith. Because for us to see the victories, in order for us to enter into God's promise, it requires faith. Faith is the currency of heaven. The currency of heaven is not the dollar, it's not like commodities, it's not security, it's not the NASDAQ. Dow Jones, it's not anything that this world could give us. The commodity of heaven is faith. You guys have to understand that. That all of the things that we try to collect and bring into our lives on this earth is not going to mean squat in heaven. It doesn't matter how nice of a car you have. It doesn't matter how big of a home you have. It doesn't matter how, how big your 401k is, right? I don't even have a 401k, right? It doesn't matter because that's not the currency of the kingdom of God. The currency of kingdom of God comes from heaven. There is an uncompromising relationship between God's grace and our faith and obedience to him. In order for us to experience God's grace, we have to have faith in our God. My first point today is that God's plan for us requires faith. God tells them that he has given them the city and then he gives them this plan, right? This is God's plan. God tells Joshua, you shall march around the city, all the men of war going around the city once. Thus shall you do for six days. Seven priests shall bear seven trumpets of rams, horns before the ark. On the seventh day, you shall march around the city seven times. And the priests shall blow the trumpets. And when they make a long blast with the ram's horn, when you hear the sound of the trumpet, then the people shall shout with a great shout, and the walls of the city will fall down flat, and the people shall go up, everyone straight before him. If there ever was a plan that required faith, it would be this plan. Now, I preached a few weeks ago that God's ways are not the ways of the world, right? And this is an ultimate example of that. Imagine if you're somebody in the, in the in some, you're like in the ranks of the, the army of Israel, and then you go up to Joshua, and he has all of his commanders around him. We're going to do right. We're going to get seven priests, and they're going to be carrying the shofar, and we're going to get the ark of the covenant, and we're going to fight all the fighting men. They're like, "Yeah, all right. What are we going to do?" And they're like, "Okay, we're going to march around the city." And they're like, "All right, all right. Okay, we'll get it." And, and then, and then, then we're going to attack it. No, the next day we're going to do the same thing. We're going to march around the city. Back then, cities weren't that big. They probably took them about an hour to two hours to go around the city. And then they're like, "Okay." All right, I understand. And then, and then, then we're gonna attack them, right? Then we're gonna, we're gonna, we're gonna fight. We're gonna, we're gonna, we're gonna go and we're gonna win. Nope. Then we're gonna do it again. And we're gonna actually do that for six days. And they're like, oh, six days. And then we're gonna attack. Nope. 
On the sixth day, right, we're going to go around the city seven times. And then the, and the priests are going to blow the trumpet. Right? They're going to blow the ram's harp. You guys have seen the shofar, right? And as they blow the trumpet and as they do the long horn, right, we're all going to shout. And as we shout, the walls are going to fall down. And they're going to be like, man, Joshua's been smoking on the frankincense, right? He's been dipping on the myrrh because this makes no sense, right? This, to any kind of like a general, to any kind of a fighting man, this makes no sense in, to the world, right? But it makes sense to God. It makes perfect sense to God. And in your life, God will present you with things, plans for your life that seem ridiculous out of this world. God's plans for you sometimes will not make any sense. It's because his plans require us to have faith because faith is the thing. He can give us a plan that we can fulfill without God's help. That's great. But God will give us plans where we can't do it without him. So when we are successful, all the glory goes to God. Remember Joshua 4.23. It says, For the Lord your God dried up the waters of the Jordan for you until you pass over. And the Lord your God did, the, did to the Red Sea, which he dried up for us until we passed over, so that all the people of the earth may know that the hand of the Lord is mighty, that you may fear the Lord your God forever. I forgot to show you that. We need to have faith to please God because a life lived by faith is one that glorifies God and it leads us on his path. You guys have to understand that the life of faith that we live isn't just so that like, you know, we can please, please God, but the life of faith that we lead, live leads us on the right path to God. It says, trust in the Lord with all your heart and lean not on your own understanding. And in all your ways, acknowledge him. All your ways, acknowledge him. And he will make your path straight. That's faith. When you live a life putting your faith in God, not only please God, but then now God can direct you into the place, into the ways, into the direction that you are to go. Now, this doesn't mean that we go off and just do the craziest things for God, right? I'm going to sell all my stuff. I'm going to become a rock star for God, right? No. I mean, you got no talent, right? I mean, I got him now that much talent. It's like, imagine me. Like, I'm going to quit my job. I'm gonna, hey, I'm just going to go and become a rock star on American Idol for God. No. That's silly, right? Like, we're like, I'm going to sell everything, and I'm going to become a, a missionary in Zimbabwe, right? Some of you, I've said this before, some of you, God will call you in this way. Some of you, well, God will be like, hey, you're supposed to sell all your things. You're supposed to go and become a missionary, right? Or, or, or the other way, we swing to the other way, and we're like, you know what, God? I feel like you want me to have a helicopter. So everybody, let's all get together, and let's have faith that God will give Caleb a helicopter. Right? Right? But faith, it means living a life where we're continually listening to God's voice and, li- and living out the life of faith that he has for us no matter what it is. That's faith. No matter what it is. God might test your faith in one of the smallest ways, but it might be the hardest thing. God might test your faith and say, hey, I want you to go and talk to your coworker. And you're like, what are you talking about? That might be the last thing in the world that you might do. Like, I'd rather swim across the Kwangan River, or, or I might, I'd, I, 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 you know, like, I, that's the last thing I want to do, but God might lead you into that, talking to that coworker that hates you. <laughs> I've had that before, right? I've had coworkers hate me. 
talking to that coworker that hates you and try to start up a relationship with it, that's the last thing that you ever want to do in your life. God might test your faith in this way. It means living a life where you're continually listening to God's voice and living out the life of faith that he has for you no matter what it is and depending on him for everything. Some people will say, God doesn't speak to me. And I will ask, have you been reading the Bible? Have you been reading the Bible? Have you been praying? God never speaks to me. Well, like when was the last time you read the Bible? Ah, I don't know. I can't even find my Bible. God speaks to us all the time. When we're in the Word of God and we're praying and when we're worshiping Him, I guarantee you God will speak to us. If He only gave us plans that we can just do for ourselves, our faith would never grow. But He wants to stretch and grow our faith he wants to stretch our faith so that, like now, right, 10 years from now, he wants my faith to be stronger than it is 10 years from now. Imagine if Ethan, right, at 10 years from now, he's, he's, he's doing everything exactly the way he's doing it now. I'm a bad parent, right? I'd be bad. I don't test him. I don't, like, challenge him in anything, right? He doesn't know any of his ABCs. He doesn't even know how to read, right, because I don't. I haven't tested, I haven't, I haven't disciplined them, I haven't led them into this path of knowledge and, and doing things right. He's 10 years, he's, he's, he's 15 years old, and he don't even know how to read. Imagine that. God is constantly testing our faith. That's why I don't believe, I don't agree with Christians that believe that whenever something bad happens or adversity comes, they blame it on the devil. Something bad happens, some hardship comes, oh, that's the devil. That's the devil. Man, the devil's trying to bring me that. No, it might not be the devil, right? I don't believe the devil has that much power. I believe it just might be that God is allowing things to happen in your life so that you could stretch and, and expand and strengthen your faith so that five years from now that you don't have to go through this hardship again. It's the devil. No, it might, it might actually be God. He might actually want to test your faith. That's we have to have that mindset, and that mindset, we, it requires prayer. It requires looking at all of our circumstances, no matter how difficult they are, from a place of faith. So God's plan for us requires us to have faith, and it requires us to obey. And when we obey, we have to obey him to completeness. It says, seven priests shall bear seven trumpets of ram's horn before the ark on the seventh day, you shall march around the city seven times, and the priests shall blow the trumpets. And when they make a long blast with the ram's horn, when you hear the sound of the trumpet, then all of the people shall shout with a great shout, and the wall of the city will fall down, and the people shall go up, everyone straight before them. God has them march around the city seven for six days, and on the seventh day, they march around seven times, and then seven priests holding seven trumpets right, will blow the horn, and they will shout, and the walls fall down. I'm pretty sure you guys can pick up the running theme in God's instructions here. That's number seven. Seven times, seventh day, seven times, seven priests, seven trumpets. The number seven has great significance according to scholars throughout the Bible. Seven is the number of completeness and perfection, both physical and spiritual. It, it derives much of its meaning from being tied directly to God's creation of all things. God created the world in seven days. If you look at the Bible, when, when Jesus says, well, you will forgive your daughter. You, how many times shall I forgive you? you will, you'll forgive seven times, 70 times, right? 
it, that number seven, it's not saying like if you do the math, it's like 400 and something. It's like, okay, I'm going to forgive my, my, my neighbors 400 and something. All I, I'm really bad at math, so I don't know. But then I'm going to forgive them this many times, and then after that, I don't have to forgive them. No, right? That number seven, it, he's referring to it as that seven is perfection. You need to always forgive your neighbor. So when, when a number is repeated like this over and over again in a passage of the Bible, I believe that there's significance to it. And here, as the Israelites are going into the promised land, I believe God is communicating to the people through his instructions, obey me completely, obey me to the end, obey me to completion. And we live in a world of many choices. I was writing this sermon at Starbucks, and you guys have to understand, Starbucks, long time ago, even 10, I was like 20 years ago, I'm pretty old, coffee was just coffee. The only only choice that you had was either cream or sugar, right? Or maybe like Splenda. I don't even know if they had Splenda back then. They had like saccharin, right? Like sweetened milk. That's the only choice that you had. When you went to Denny's or whenever you went to a coffee shop, you went to like, like, like you know, like Winchell's or you know, Dunkin' Donuts. I don't even know that if they existed back then. But when you went to a donut shop, the only choice that you had was just coffee. But now we live in a generation where you have like Americanos, lattes, mochas, macchiatos. You have like green tea lattes. You have caramel lattes. You have like... Vanilla latte, so many choices, right? Choices upon choices, no matter where we go. Like, you go through coupon, and there's just like an infinite amount. I've never seen the bottom of a coupon. When I scroll, have you ever scrolled G-Market? Have you ever reached the bottom of that? I've, I've come close, right? I discovered this thing on coupon last night that you can order something from America, and as long as the order is over $30, it's like free delivery. And it comes within a week, and I like, this blew my mind. I was like, dude, they have Jolly Ranchers on here. My love, my love. They have Jolly Ranchers. I'm going to order that. Oh, my goodness. They have, like, they have, like, uh, they have cauliflower rice. I've, I've only dreamt of this, right, because I would watch these, like, cooking shows, and they would have cauliflower rice. I'm like, oh, they have cauliflower right? rice. I've never seen the end of any of those, like, shopping lists. And the choices that we have in this world, we have choices upon choices, has, has, has crept into the minds of the church. And people are picking and choosing what parts of God's word to obey, when to obey, and how to obey. Right? We all do this all the time. I'll obey regarding my spiritual life, but I don't know if I can obey regarding my financial life. I'll obey God with my family and friends, but uh, when it comes to my workplace, I don't know if I can obey God in that area of my life. I'll obey God on Sundays. I'll obey God but when, like, you know, throughout... Throughout the rest of the week, I don't know if I can obey God. I'll obey God when it feels like it. I'll obey God when I feel like obeying God. That's basically what God's saying. We choose. God tells us to obey him completely. He wants us to obey him to the end, not just at the beginning, not just at the end, but throughout the whole process. God wants us an obedience from us that's that's perfection. It doesn't mean that we're not going to mess up. It doesn't mean that we're not going to fall here and there. But the, the heart of our obedience to God has to be where we're, 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 we're obeying Him from a place of perfection. We can't live this postmodern world where we're just picking and choosing the, the ways that we're going to obey God. I'll obey God at this level and in this terms. And I'll obey God when, when I feel like this and, and when these people are around. But God's saying, no, your obey, your obedience to me has to be from a place of completeness. Later on in Joshua, we're going to realize when the Israelites mess up, 
God tells them to drive out all the people. And they're like, okay, we'll drive up everybody, but not maybe, maybe not these people. And maybe, maybe not over here. And all of a sudden, this, the people that they didn't drive out, it like gets interwoven into their, into their history. And all of a sudden, down the road, you see the fall of Jerusalem. And it all started from this place. God's saying, I want you to obey me to the end, to ob- obedience that's from a place of completeness. Our, obey- o- our obedience to God cannot be based on our whims. What do you think would have happened if on the fifth day it rained and Joshua was like, you know what, I don't want to get wet today. I just got these new sandals. Right? I've been wearing the same sandals all for 40 years. And, uh, and we're in the promised land. I just got these new sandals. I don't want to get these sandals wet. On the fifth day, they don't go out. What do you think happened? What do you think happened if he got he got a little uh, 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 a little anxious and he got a little he wanted he was in a rush and on the sixth day they ran around the, the thing six times and they blew. The, what do you think would have happened if if Joshua was not complete in his obedience? We have to obey God to completeness, not just halfway, not just in the beginning, not just in the end, but wholeheartedly throughout the whole process, with the fear of the Lord. And we can only have this kind of obedience when our obedience comes from true faith. When we have an assurance that God is who he says he is, and he is the most important person in our lives, that's when we can obey in the longest way. That's why the greatest commandment is to love God with all your heart, mind, soul, and strength. And then, and then from that place, we love ourselves and we love the people around us. It's because we obey what we love. You guys agree with me? We obey what we love. Have you ever seen a, 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 a young man that's, that's just falling in love with a woman for the first time? And they obey. I was like me. That was like me. When I, I started dating Mina, and we were, we were living in Mule, right, in Seoul, and then she'd be like, you know what? I want some ice cream. I'm like, get out of my bed. 1 a.m. We're, we're like FaceTiming. I'm like, oh, outside. I'll go. I get out of bed. She don't even have to ask. I'm at the honey jump. I get five kinds of ice cream. I go. I like I screwed her onto her apartment. Here you go. That's, that's obedience. We obey what we love, right? When we, when we love money, we obey money. You guys have to understand. There's people that die because people obey money. When we love the world, we obey the things of this world. But we are to love God first, obey him first, and completely from a place of faith. Obey him to completeness. That's, that's where the path of the, of the Lord is, is laid out for us. It's trust in the Lord with all your heart, mind, and, 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 and acknowledge him in all your ways. Trust in him. Don't trust in your understanding. And when you, whatever you're doing, you acknowledge that whatever you're doing is coming from the Lord. And that he's going to make it for us. We have to obey him to completeness. And my third point is, it says, shout, and the walls came down. Oh, I have to fast forward. Right? Shout, and the walls came down. And my, my third point is that God's ways are supernatural. It says, so the people shouted, and the trumpets were blown. And as soon as the, the people heard the sound of the trumpet, the people shout, a great shout, and the wall fell down flat. We can never lose sight of the fact that God is a supernatural God. Do you believe this, church? Do you believe that our God is a supernatural God? We have to know and never forget that nothing is impossible for our God because he is a supernatural God. 
Now, I don't care how loud you are. No matter how much shouting you can do, you're not going to walk down knock down a wall. You know how I know sports. Right? You ever, like the, the CenturyLink field in, in uh, Seattle is considered the loudest stadium that you can actually play in. They, they call the, the, the fans the 12th man because it's so loud in there. No matter how much they scream, no matter how much they hoot and holler, none of that is going to even knock down one football player. No matter how much the other side started screaming, Tom Brady never fell down because they, talk, they loud to him, they yelled too much, right? And, in no, and, and, and there's no way that that, that wall could have fallen from, from the physical shouting of the people of God. It's because God is supernatural. The Israelites shouting in, at the wall and the walls falling is a reminder that God can do supernatural things through us. And we can never lose sight of this. We serve a supernatural God, and we and He works in supernatural ways. We need to have faith in God that leaves room for God to be supernatural in our midst. Now, I'm preaching to myself here because a few days ago I've been I woke up like at three in the morning. Uh, I don't know exactly what time it was, and I woke up. I can't go back to sleep. And whenever I do this, like I'll, I'll flip around because it's usually because it's hot or something. Mina's are right next to me. But then I couldn't fall asleep. And so I was was like, okay, I think I I can pray. pray." And I was praying. And I was like in this place of like half sleep and half praying. God spoke to my heart. He's like, hey, I feel like you've you've been looking at the church in such a natural way. And and I feel like you've, you've been looking at ministry in such a natural way. And, and I haven't been making room for the Holy Spirit in the atmosphere of this church. And I feel like that's what I've been doing with all of the shaking. For those of you that don't know, our church has been through a lot in the last year. We lost our lead pastor. You know, like all of these crazy things happened. Our, all of our campuses up and so closed. This became one campus. And I was like, it was, it's been a tough year for us. And so much of the way that our church was, there's a stigma to it in my heart because it came through it came through somebody right and it came and it came it was it was administered in a way that was that was, could have been a, a abusive it was administered in a way that was not maybe completely biblical and so i feel like i swung the other way and when it comes to anything i put up a wall in my heart regarding anything kind of supernatural in ministry and, and i i've been just i've been just allowing just this wall to just kind of like lead the way in, in, in the way that we do church, in the way that we do ministry, in the way that we relate to you guys. And I'm a very pragmatic person. And I'm a very practical person. I tend to look at situations from that point of view. Mina will ask me questions. She'll be come up to me like, well, what do you feel about this? And then and usually I'll give her this uh, with like an answer that, that I feel like is right. And she always comes to me with this, right? Whenever she asks me a question, any kind of a deep question, usually when we're taking a walk or something, she's like, what do you think about this? And she knows what she thinks. And then I'll say, oh, this is what I think. And then she'll always tell me this, yeah, that's what you think in the natural, but what do you think your answer would be if God moved supernaturally in us? And she is, con- my, Mina's my wife, by the way. She's continually reminding me of the supernaturalness of our God. God can do anything. We have to continue to have that mindset with God and his promises. He is supernatural. And he works supernaturally. 
And he can answer our prayers supernaturally. There's an expectation for, for, from God for us to have faith. And we need to have an expectation for God to do supernatural in our midst. The Holy Spirit to move in our midst. For God to answer us supernaturally. I want to break down this wall today in my heart and in this church. I want, I want, to, I want to have a breakthrough into the spiritual realm. I want to stop putting limits on God. I feel like that's what I've been doing as a pastor. And I feel like Holy Spirit has been leading me in this whole way. Like, hey, don't forget about me. Because you, you, you remember me in your personal life. I, I'm always listening to God in my personal life. Holy Spirit will lead me. This. I'm like, oh, i got to apologize to them. Holy Spirit, me leaving my heart to this. I was like, oh, you know, like I gotta do this. I, I can't like, I can't like, I can't, you know, mess around with that. It's like the Holy Spirit's constantly leading my heart in my personal life, in the ministry, and in this church. I feel like there's been this, this wall that's been up. I want to break that down today, and I want us as a church to to reaffirm that aspect of our God. God is supernatural, and He can answer our prayers supernaturally. Today I want to close a little early. I'm not going to go on anymore. And I want us to get into groups of two or three. And I want us to pray for one another. But I want us to, as we pray, I want us to just tell each other our prayer requests. And when we pray, I want us to pray for the other person. And I want us to pray that God will answer the prayer requests supernaturally. And I want us to practice the faith that God has given us. I want us to practice the faith that God has given us. Our faith. God said, if you have a faith the size of a mustard, we can move mountains, right? We can't, we, that, that seems too crazy to us, right? So, so many times we pray for each other from, from this place of like, oh, God, do, do as you will. No, I want us to, to, to say, God, you are a supernatural God, and you can do this in this person's life. Do this for them. I want us to pray. I want us to pray for them. Get into groups right now. Even if you don't know them, I want you to, to connect with somebody that you may not actually know. Right, don't just stick to your friends. Right, if you guys came together, go and, 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 and connect to somebody that you may not know. Pair up. All right, pair up. And then I want you guys to share your prayer requests. Right, share whatever prayer requests that you need breakthrough in, whatever it is. And then I want you to pray. Practice our faith today. 